Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 857. The Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game. Powered by Advent Health. Don't forget, Advent Health is sponsoring its Children's Day of Giving, December 14th, and it's your chance to help kids in the hospital this holiday season. Your donation stays local and helps cover gas and grocery bills for families with kids undergoing treatment. Visit GiveForKidsToday.com to donate. Songs about money, is that what it is? Yeah. Daniels, I've told you this story many times. Where did I where did I see the Steve Miller band play? Brassies. No, not Brassies oh, and My fallback. Uh, where? It was it was uh, at one of the early rock Super Bowls. Oh, oh, rock Super Bowls, yeah. At the old Citrus Bowl. Yeah. Steve Miller, Jimmy Buffett, I think, was there that year. Yeah, those used to be some great concerts. In high school, a little underage drinking, go watch the concert. They at any point, the rest of the band was like, Yo, Steve, can we maybe change the name up a little bit? No. <laughs> it's the Steve Miller Band. <laughs> Uh, and then Steve answered, he goes, that makes you all replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of music, uh, you have any Christine McVie trivia? Christine McVie, one of the founding members of Fleetwood Mac, passes away yesterday at the age of 79. Yeah, I heard you talk about uh, that several times today, and certainly a integral part of that great band. Uh, I don't know if I have any... Nah. I mean, obviously, her connection to the band. She wrote a lot of their uh, hits. Um, and she was techni- She was a technically uh, or a, a classically trained musician. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. I just know that she wrote a lot of their stuff and very influential. And you know, th- those of us the plus thirty category, though a lot of their hits came when you and I were still relatively young. They're a pretty influential band at a unique time in rock. So Mount Rushmore. Uh, I don't get Mount Rushmore. As people you know, start making Mount Rushmore, it's the size of the Grand Canyon. Okay. Like Top 10? All-time bands? Yeah. I don't know about that. Top 20? <laughs> I I think they've earned their place in, in, in the 70s as one of the great bands. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um... What else I was going to ask you? Oh, oh, we just had Dave Hyde on talking about his uh, new Jimmy Johnson book. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to reading it because, you know, obviously we know a lot about Jimmy Johnson growing up in the state of Florida and when he coached at Miami, and obviously he's lived in the state of Florida uh, since he retired from the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just curious. I, I had this thought yesterday, Daniels, when I was setting up this Dave Hyde interview and, you know, doing some research on his book. Um you need to write a book. 
I need to write a book. Yeah, you're you're. I'm very impressed with your writing and your columns. So you're not just a radio broadcaster; you're a good writer. And plus, you need to write some sort. I don't know if you would write a memoir of your, you know, play by play days as the radio voice of UCF, or just a a book on you, uh, like some sort of historical book on UCF football. I mm. think that's the book you should write. Especially about going doing, into uh, the Big 12. Yeah. Journeys of uh, a radio announcer in the tack. <laughs> yes. You can tell some great stuff. Watching stories. a camel urinate in Campbell. Yeah. Getting lost uh, before uh, uh, yeah, yeah, apps yes. on a phone in southeast Louisiana trying to find Hammond's gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I yep. think it would, especially going into the Big 12, I think a historical perspective of UCF football. Would be good. Yeah, my thirty plus times athletics. going to Greenville. <laughs> you're 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 joking. I'm not joking. All right, I'll think about it. I'm not joking. Will you write the forward for me? I'll definitely write the forward. Okay. See, the book's or already can, getting going. Or you could do like Kelly. What do you want to do? Else? You want to be in the book? Yeah, whatever you need. What you All want? Right, what you want? Dan, you, you could do like everybody else and just have Dick Vitale write the forward. For wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. There you go. You looking forward to what? Will you read the Jimmy Johnson book? Uh, when you give me the copy when you're done with it, sure. Mm-hmm. Glad to okay. uh, take a look. I, it, I think Jimmy is one of the more fascinating sports figures. Uh, I think he's 79. Not that, you know, he, he can't be functional. He clearly has cut back on the travel. Yeah, how much does he do Fox now? The Fox. I don't know the number of days that or, or weeks that he goes out there, but that was part of his deal to continue at Fox. He said, "Look, you got to come and set a little studio up here in my home. I'm not flying out every single week because as much as people think you just, you know, it's a one hour pregame show and then you're sitting there doing highlights. Um, uh, that show actually requires that crew to be out there on Friday, like Michael Strahan. You know all the work that he does and." Uh, I mean, they're out there on Friday, runs through Sunday night, and it was a grind for Jimmy to fly back and forth across the country. I know he was out there for Thanksgiving weekend. I think he, he maybe does the, four or five did of them. Com- did he no, fly commercial? No, no, Part of the deal is that they send a jet for him. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, he might do only four or five of these in studio anymore. They may be in the playoffs, I guess, but that was part of his deal. But it's a fascinating story to go back. I mean, I, rem- I, I was in South Florida when Jimmy got hired. He was not a popular choice. Uh, when he got hired at the University of Miami because of who they thought, um, you know, Gary Stevens and other people they thought would get the job. And as Howard won a uh, championship and left, they were like, who, who, who's this Oklahoma State guy? You know, but but Jimmy was the perfect personality at that moment to take Miami to another level. And then the whole thing about going to the Cowboys and, you know, the well-respected Tom Landry just basically being kicked to the curb. Um, and then to build what he did with the Cowboys, it's an incredible journey. One one of my one of my best experiences as a sports writer is when I went down to the Keys mm-hmm. and and I did a big story on Jimmy down there, and he he just I mean I, I sat down with him I mean you know for three or four hours you know sitting on his front porch looking out at the golf and all of this stuff, and he he told me that the, the the just told me the story about the NFL owners meeting in Orlando when the Cowboys had just won their second oh, yeah. Super Bowl and how Jerry Jones got drunk and was bragging to all the 
reporters there that he's the one who built the team and all this stuff. And Jimmy got word of it, and Jimmy stormed down to the uh, like the hotel bar and just said, "I quit." Mm-hmm. And he get he got in his car and left. Yeah, that's that all true. The, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, yeah unbelievable. Jerry Jones on a drunken night broke up the Cowboys dynasty, right here in Orlando. So, anyway, um, all right, straight ahead. Disturbing news coming out of Gainesville. We'll get to that uh, story coming up. Also, uh, college football playoff news. I want to get your opinion on that as well. All that coming your way on the bridge. You're a rich girl, and you're gone too far, cause you know it don't matter anyway. You can rely on the old man's money, you can rely on the old man's money. But Daniels, we got a text this morning. We were talking about, you know, Fleetwood Mac and all that, and Christine McVie's passing. And and somebody said, uh, Peter Green was the greatest member of Fleetwood Mac. uh, Maybe the the dumbest member. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's he actually founded the band and then he left. Like, I don't need this. Just as they started to get big, like in 1970, I guess he was on LSD and all. Oh, see if you can do this without me. I guess he was upset because the band was starting to make too much money, and he thought it it was greedy. Stop being materialistic. (laughs) Yes, said it was. Yeah. That's got to go down as one of the worst career moves in entertainment history, does it not? I can't confirm that Lindsey Buckingham went up and called him and said, how did that taste in the 70s and 80s? But <laughs> that's what I heard. Oh, wow. Um, all right. Um, so I, I want you to tell me about this college football playoff story. Uh, the Rose Bowl, I guess, has said, uh, yeah, we want to be a part of it, so we're willing to – what changed the time slot that the Rose Bowl has played in moving forward? Is that is that what the why was that even a question whether the Rose Bowl would do that? Of course they're gonna do whatever they have to to be a part of the college football playoff, are they not? Uh I think what the Rose Bowl did uh was to test the um leverage that they believe they had and to cling to what I do understand an appreciation of history. Yeah. Um, and I've said this too much these days in college football. I understand how the business of college football has changed. It doesn't mean I have to like every decision. And as much as a lot of the college football media elite, you know, were dropping their one-liners about the Rose Bowl and, and, and their snobbish attitude, the, most of them are hypocritical. They sit and tell you how beautiful the 5 o'clock or 2 o'clock local start time is in Pasadena and everything. They love going there. And, and Okay, well, they're trying to preserve that. <laughs> and their feeling was um, this is a special game at a special place at a special time, and we want to do everything we can to keep some form of this and, yes, be a part of whatever you're doing. And in the end, they realized they had to give up history. And while a lot of people may not care, Mike, you and I in the plus 30 category, next year is the final Rose Bowl that there can be a Big Ten and a Pac-12 matchup. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and while I can sit and wonder and dream, like, someday could UCF play uh, in the Rose Bowl? They'll play in the stadium. The game may be called that because of just the way they're naming. But you know, if UCF plays Clemson in the Rose Bowl in a quarterfinal... 
It's not really the Rose Bowl game that you and I grew up on. I watched Florida State play Auburn in the Rose Bowl for the national championship. But you understood that that's how the business of college football was changing. So they were trying to keep that slot, and basically the college football playoff business said, if you want to be part of the rotation in years to come, you're going to have to play by our rules. And they went as long as they could and ultimately said, hey, it's still too important to us to be part of all this, to have semifinals and to bid for the championship game. So you got us. We'll we'll, we'll do what you want to do. Yeah, and it had to be that way. Right, but they they could have blocked the 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 expansion for two more years. They it needs to be unanimous. Yeah, and they could have said, well, you know, we'll live with our contract. And then the threat was, well, then we're not going to guarantee you that you'll be part of this in the next rotation. And I do as much as I like and love the idea of a twelve team playoff. I do think the model's flawed already. You do? Why? Because um, I do like the concept of rewarding conference champions, which you know we talked yesterday mm-hmm. and you used as a poll today. I think most people that voted against my position don't understand my position. But um, uh, I don't think that if, if you win a conference championship and you're a top four seed, which you have to be a conference champion to be a top four seed, you don't get a home game. And I think that that should be part of the reward for someone that goes through the grind of 13 games, a 12-game schedule and a conference championship, and then somebody that finished fifth that lost a conference championship game that maybe is ranked fifth or sixth gets a home game. Now, they have to play an extra game. You don't. They would have to win four. You have to win three. But I think those top four seeds should be rewarded. And I also think when we start having a 12-team playoff, people are going to love the, 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 the home games. And I think how's that going to work? How's, how's it going to work, Daniels? Uh, the first round, which is five versus twelve, six versus eleven, seven versus ten, and eight versus nine, is played on campus. Third week of December. Then after that, we'll have quarterfinals at four major bowl games, likely one on New Year's Eve and three on New Year's Day. Then we'll go into January again at neutral sites, playing the two semifinals, and then we'll you know we're going to bid to have somebody host. Of the championship game, um, I also think there's some challenges on 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 fan travel here. Mike, picture this, okay? If you're a Florida fan, and let's say your team's having a great year and they're in the SEC championship game because they finished one or two, not because they won the East, because they're doing away with divisions, okay? Do you want to go to Atlanta, and then do you want to go on the road? How many times? That's a yeah, lot. I'm, sa- <laughs> I'm saving my money. I'm not. I'm not going to go to the, that. May challenge. I, that may challenge these conference championship games. If I if I if I know my teams in the playoff anyway, I'm not going to the conference. Championship. And that's a little bit of a challenge because it is potentially four neutral site trips of a conference championship game, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and a championship game. And they go, well, you know what happens at the NCAA tournament? We're not filling 80,000-seat stadiums. We're filling usually 20,000-seat stadiums until we get to the Final Four, which is in a stadium. But by, by I, having the, a having lot of fans. The, by having the uh, uh, quarterfinals, uh, is it quarterfinals and semifinals? They're going to have those at bowl games? Correct. Okay, by having those at bowl games, is that the college football playoff committee? Is that just... 
throwing a bone to these major bowl games, or is I it? I think more it's fun? trying to keep the bowls, uh, you know, still in the process. And yeah, but why not just? I mean, if you're going to do this, why not just do it? You know, if you're going to have a playoff, why not just have all, uh, you know, play on campus? Higher seed hosts. Wait till the next contract. Listen, I, I, my crystal ball of the future. You know what I think about bowls. I, I, I don't have a problem with bowls. I mean, people don't like six and six teams playing in bowls. Don't watch them. But I do see a scenario where bowls move to the beginning of the season. Not all, but I do think you're going to see a different business model of people getting so, creative. And so there'll and, be neutral site games. Is what they'll be. I, I told this you know, idea before. The wonderful folks at Florida Citrus Sports. Um, the idea of putting on a, a Big Ten SEC game to kick off the season every single year, and if you're able to convince them to, to, to send y- y- your champion or one of your top two teams every year for a neutral site game, now it's difficult with uh, schedules the way they are, but I, I think you're going to see people have to get creative because once you get home playoff games, I think there'll be more of a push to go, wait a minute, why are we going on the road for quarterfinal games, and why are we sending teams from the east part of the country to the west to play in a quarterfinal game when somebody should earn the right to play it at home? You go 13-0, and uh, why would you not get to host a playoff game? Yeah, and again, I realize you want to keep the tradition of the bowl games, but as you just mentioned, the Rose Bowl just gave up their history and tradition to be a part of this playoff. So, again, I, I you know, I, I like the bowls as well, but there comes a time where you just have to move on. All right, let's say goodbye to our listeners in Tallahassee at FM 96.5 The Spear. If you want to keep listening, you can find us on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for 96.9 The Game in Orlando. Otherwise, we'll catch you bright and early, 6 a.m. on Friday morning. Let's pause right now for station identification. Mark Daniels. Uh, let's segue into this uh, J- uh, Jalen Kitna story, the backup quarterback at the University of Florida, son of NFL quarterback John Kitna, arrested and charged yesterday on child pornogra- pornography charges, booked into the Alachua County Jail. Daniels, when I saw this story yesterday, I was like, oh, my God. I can't remember... I can't remember a college football. I mean, I, I remember a lot of college football arrests of the past, and I realize, you know, that, that you know he hasn't been proven guilty of anything. But I can't remember an arrest that was like, "What? What? What were your thoughts when you heard when you when you saw this story yesterday?" I I mean, the thoughts of anybody. It's one of those uh, little eye popping, and it kind of makes you sick and. Um... If yeah. true, it's horrific, and if true, he'll be in prison. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I, I don't know what else uh, you could say from it. Um, the accusations are what they are. The charges are what they are, and I, I guess he certainly has his side of a story, but I'm not quite sure where it's going, and other than what, clear, what appears to be uh, the information provided, um, he's got... He's got prison time coming his way, and and I I don't know what else there is. Yeah, one thing, uh, and I realize social media we discuss everything. I, I don't like, I don't even like discussing these things on social media. Like, and, and especially when the, you know when when the fan 
reaction gets into it. There's almost like, you know, opposing fans sometimes. It's, it's almost like they're taking glee in these charges. Or, uh, I don't know how to right, because, describe it. Right, because, well, that's the, that's the pond scum that becomes social media where then you just conclude, well, everybody in your fan base does the same thing. So, it's, yeah. you, I mean, you must be just like him. I mean, I, I don't know if you brought this up. Uh, the other story last night, Mickey Joseph, the former interim coach at Nebraska, faces strangulation and domestic assault mm. charges. Yeah, I saw that. So, I didn't bring it up, but yeah. I mean, there are people... So. Uh, you know, six days ago, screaming for him to get the job. Oh, there were? Well, uh, he, one of their own, and hey, he deserves a chance and everything before Matt Rule got hired, and not that Trev Alberts or AD knew that he would do something like this, but um, he's in jail. Mm. Yeah. Some other college football news yesterday. Trent Dilfer, the new head coach at UAB, Laugh at me if you want to. I sort of like the hire, Daniels. What do you Trent mean, Dilfer's laugh at like, you? Because a, you know, a lot of people were, you know, yesterday on you know making fun. Oh, you're hiring another ESPN commentator, and I even put something in my notes column about it. But um, Trent Dilfer's been a quarterback guru for quite some time. He runs quarterback camps. He's been um, a high school coach. Um, I, I don't think this is a terrible hire. For UAB, do you? Uh, it's out of the box. I mean, you can defend the football side of it for, uh, for Dilfer. Uh, he's been a successful high school coach. Uh, there have been high school coaches that have made uh, the jump. Uh, That's Malzahn being one? Well, but to head coach. Yeah, okay. Um, UNLV did it a few years ago. Uh, and Notre Dame tried it once. Remember I, that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... I, I don't knock it. I mean, those that say he, you know, cut the line, it's, again, he's been coaching in high school, very successful. The business of acquisition of talent in college football today, Dilfer's been running the famed quarterback camp, the 11-on-11, 11 11, um, or, or the QB-11. He's been running that for years. So, he, I mean, he, he's he's got great contacts in recruiting. Um so it's a different out-of-the-box move for UAB. Is he going to be a successful coach? I don't know, but I don't think it's an embarrassing hire. Uh, a lot of this stuff comes down to what kind of staff can you get together. Uh, and even at a place like UAB, he needs to move quickly because Monday's coming, and you better hit the ground running. But I, I don't think it's an embarrassing hire. By the way, what happened to him? I always thought he was a really good analyst on ESPN. In fact, I thought he was one of their better NFL analysts. And he got run at ESPN, did he not? Uh, there were some internal things going on. I mean, what not did like you think scandal about? or so forth. There, I mean, there were some... Uh, what, ego type things? He felt he was worth X. Somebody felt he was not worth X. Uh, he, he felt that he should have been a prime candidate for uh, Monday Night Football and wanted to do a little bit more and then kind of felt that he was stuck and one side called the other's bluff and, you know, went about uh, their own ways. So Trent did well for himself. He he, he he made a lot of money, saved a lot of money, has some other business interests and, and, and does quite well. So it, he, he wasn't hurting for a check when he left ESPN. No, no. Um, so, yeah, I... I... I always thought he was one of the best, and I always wondered why he left 
ESPN. So he wanted more money. He wanted a bigger role, and they were balking at that. It sounds like is what you're saying. It kind of is the way that it uh, uh, went. Can I read you something uh, from a story that I, that I read? And I've got somebody on my show today who is really an expert in understanding all the collectives and stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, P. Nakos writes it on three. He's been a guest on my show several times, and he talks about, in his latest piece, the, the role of collectives as we get set for this free agent market, okay? And I want mm-hmm. to read you a quote from Pete's story. Ready? You mean the NIL? Uh, you mean NIL market? The, 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 the free agent market, yeah. Uh, quote, <laughs> if you want to talk ball with a top quarterback in each class, you're going to need to come to the table ready to pay seven-figure yearly salary, said an SEC collective operator. Yeah. Um, market value on this end of it, you don't know what it is because you don't know what it is real and not real. That's what I don't really love about this. Market value is what somebody's willing to pay and then goes on to indicate what the market has been and what the market may be. Is, Depending, that, for, is, that, is that for a high school recruiter? High school, that... high school, high school. Okay. Depending on the school to land an on-three consensus five-star quarterback, that number reportedly jumps to one to three million dollars if a school is known to be a big spender in recruiting circles a prospects family and representation will push to start the conversation on the higher end if the top five and ten are commanding a million dollars when well the number 11 is going to go oh i'm shooting for something in that range as well yeah here's the question i have though daniels after hearing you read that What's the market for existing stars in college football? Remember, I wrote that Caleb uh, Williams should ask for ten million dollars. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the and you know what's the market for Jordan Travis? What's the market for Anthony Richardson, which I wrote about today at OrlandoSentinel.com? Yeah, there is no downside to anybody that has leverage of working that game. Now, if you're a player that has no value, then your school's not going to want you back. But if you're a player that has value... How much value does Jordan Travis have to that program right now? And what they're trying to do? He has a lot. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can look around and say, uh, uh, you know, what's my worth? I mean, quarterbacks alone, if Caleb Williams, Jordan Travis, Drake May at North Carolina, after one year that he had there. And and here's the thing. Most do you of think those guys, guys like that will and like I think they should, but do you think they will? I don't know. I, I, but but what's happened before Monday, and we've talked about this, is other schools have already tried to figure out who might be interested or to make them interested. Meaning, again, you've got representation. Somehow they communicate with third party who spoke to somebody that works with a collective uh, at such and uh, such school that says, "Hey." Would he be interested in blank? And then the question is, well, what's blank? And the representation, if they're doing what is supposed to be in the best interest of their client. So it's sort of like NBA free agency. They already know where everybody's going. No, is that I, what you, no, no, no. I, I think for the last couple months, people have been calling both ends, players finding out. And teams trying to figure out what a market is and would somebody be interested uh, in moving. And most but, players but, have some form of representation that you would think comes back and says, hey, um, 
would you be interested in leaving because the market may say that you're worth X? And some players may say, well, can you get X to stay here? I don't want to go. And then that's how that agent then goes to that collective and says, look, if you want to keep him, you better bring to the table this much because this school may be offering that much. But you 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 do agree with me when uh, and, and I'm just using Jordan Travis and Anthony Richardson because they're players in the state of Florida that we're familiar with. If 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 somehow some way Jordan Travis were to enter the pra- uh, transfer portal Monday or Anthony Richardson were to order, uh, enter the transfer portal on Monday, they know where they're going. They've already made their representatives have already made the deal. Oh, I think players school. at that level, uh, yeah, right, yeah. I, I, I um, the overwhelming majority of players may have an idea who's interested, but I think any significant name has a pretty good idea what real offers are. And here's the thing, Mike. I don't even, and that's uh, Mitt Winter, the guy coming on today, is is more equipped to answer this. I don't even know what those agreements are. There is no set contract. In the NBA, there's a set contract because the Players Association negotiated a collective uh, bargaining agreement. But, uh, you know, quarterback A may have a, a, you know, two-year deal worth X amount of money paid this way, and quarterback B may have, you know, a completely different structured deal. Like, if you're a starter, you'll get paid this. If you And you say, well, it's not supposed to be about playing time. No one's policing it. So... so. What do you mean it's not supposed to be about playing time? Okay, no one was supposed to contact anybody before Monday. Well, we all know that hasn't been the case because no one's been able to police it. So nothing's... Uh, no one can say, well, wait a minute, that, that contract violates... Violates what? It doesn't violate I anything. It, I was thinking about this, too, yesterday. Like like, like, like Anthony Richardson, he's probably going to get drafted in the NFL either this year or next, and he'll probably, you know... At worst, he'll probably be a second-round draft pick, or maybe a third. I don't know. At worst, but maybe he's a first-round draft pick. So he's going to make some money in the NFL, all right? But there's a lot of great college football players, great college football players, who maybe don't have an NFL future, who are a little undersized, or they're, you know, their arm's not quite strong enough, but they are great college quarterbacks or great college players. This is their chance. This might be their only chance to earn a bunch of money. Right? Of course. I mean, it, it, it pains me to even use it as an example because I would have thrown up. But but if you had the present-day pay-for-play world we're in, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would McKenzie Milton have been worth after 2017? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or UCF is going to have some money. But back then, despite having the year they had, they, didn't, they weren't flush with cash. Danny White was out there trying to say, hey, you know, we just went undefeated. Now can you give us more money to donors? What would he have been worth in an open market in 2017? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of... I keep coming back. Does George, is Jordan Travis... I mean, I guess he's an NFL prospect. But he he sort of has worked his way into being an NFL prospect. He's not one of these guys that everybody thinks is surefire. Jordan Travis could make more in in NIL slash college free agency money than he'll probably get his first NFL contract. Well, I think it's look. I think it's actually helped some players, and I don't see any downside to it. 
to make a decision to stay. Look, you have the National Player of the Year in college basketball. Chose to go back to Kentucky because they made it worth his while. Um, Drew Timmy at, at, at Gonzaga, he's in his ninth year at Gonzaga, but, but he said, why well, do I don't want to go play? He says, I'm, I'm not going to get drafted, and he won't. Why do I want to go play internationally if I could stay here and make pretty good money for another year because I have eligibility? And I think you're going to see some of that in college football, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't either. I don't either. I'm, not, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying, hell, if I, if I were a, a great college football player, I would put my services on the market. But, but Mike, take these two quarterbacks, okay? Caleb Williams at USC, who's the favorite of the Heisman Trophy. Drake May at North Carolina. Caleb Williams is not eligible for the NFL draft until 24. Drake May's not available until 25, okay? Mm-hmm. Why would you not shop for the highest price? I don't know. I mean, I know. the NFL's not changing their rule, so why would you just not say, okay, highest bidder? And you go, well, he's comfortable in the system. Okay, I get that. But he can't go to the NFL, so why should he not market himself to the highest bidder? You got me, Daniel. That's what's happening on Monday. <laughs> that's that, that That's what happens when that portal opens on Monday. For the month of December and into January, with most of the movement happening likely next week. And that's why, as I tell people, your favorite team, whoever that is, they're bidding for players and they know they're going to lose players. Mm-hmm. No question. And I mean, Texas State, which is not, you know, a, a, an elite program, Texas State is in the market for a football coach. 15 players have already announced are entering the portal. And you're going to see some of these places are just going to be like, Wow, look at that. And now you've got guys that have entered the portal that are now posting who's offered them. Not telling you what they've offered them, but who's offered them. Jimmy Horn, the kid from South Florida, the wide receiver, entered the portal. He posted Penn State, honored to be offered Penn State. Why do you think he did that? Hey, who else wants to bid for me? Yeah. Do I hear... I've got fifty thousand right. from Penn State. Do I, I hear a hundred thousand? And I don't blame them. That's the. I mean, that's the game. So that's now the other part of this. Hey, proud to you know, excited to announce that so and so has offered me uh, to come play for them. Yeah. Translation. What do you want to bid? Welcome to twenty twenty two. Unbelievable. Yeah. Back with more football talk on the field uh, when the bridge bought to Advent Health continues next. I love whiskey and water and a little sweet iced tea. This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn because I don't want to see. Scott Harris, uh, Mike knew Free Dog Night before they went commercial. They were just a couple of puppies in the day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Two puppy day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I need some advice. Oh. You have a you have a hot topic you want to talk. No, about? no, no. Go ahead, please. Your 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 advice is far more important. Okay, but it's going to be a topic you don't like, all right? Because it has to do with fantasy football. Okay. All right. So we have a guy in our fantasy league, Daniels, and I I think I need to say something. Mm-mm. 
All right, so, and, and the reason I'm, I have some trepidation about saying something is because he's a superior at the radio station, all right? Uh, one of our bosses, if you will, at the radio station. I'm not going to mention who it is, Rick. Um, so he has Leonard Fournette on his roster. Yeah. Leonard Fournette didn't play last week. Uh-huh. He, he, you know, all week, everybody knew Leonard Fournette was going to be out. All right. So the person just leaves Leonard Fournette on his, in his starting lineup. Doesn't try to make a deal to get another running back. Um, just leaves Leonard Fournette there, gets no points, loses the game. Daniels, you can't have that in your fantasy league. Can you? Well, what do you mean? Like you want to ban him from future? No, no, I want to. No, I, I think I think I need to say something. Like you can't be that. You guy. just did say something. Okay, uh, a couple of questions here. Okay. For, first, I thought you were going to tell me he wanted to say, "Hey, but I meant to play so and so." Can can we switch out and let those points count? The answer is no. No. Is he still in the hunt for a playoff spot? Yes. Yes. Mm, wow. And that's that's. Wow. Yes, I, I, I wouldn't even agree with it if he was out of the playoff hunt. Right, right? but you know, you get the guy that's 2-10, and 10 and he's like, yeah, yeah. whatever, but... Eh. So, so, but here, here's the issue, okay? Here's the issue. Um, he doesn't work the fantasy... Uh, he doesn't work the waiver wire like I do, okay? Um, oh, Mr. Special Waiver Guy. Y- yeah. yeah, I work the waiver wires. And, you know, Leonard Fournette's out, and guess what? He didn't have any other running backs on his roster Yeah, that he could play. Yeah, look, I love Rick, uh, mm-hmm. but when it comes to fantasy football, you got to be responsible, and if you don't, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, can't I mean, help he, you. He, he could have easily, you know, contacted me. I would have traded him one of my stable of running backs for, you know, something, you know, just a a pittance, if you will, you know, maybe Pittman, his receiver. I would have taken, taken him. Oh, I got Gil Brandt over here, Scott, that I'm working with. Yeah. Here. <laughs> I would have, I would have gladly given him uh, Brian Robinson. Scott here. Pioli's working the uh, waiver wire here. But, but Mike, I'm Mike. I'm sure whenever you propose uh, trades to him, he always acknowledges it, right? Uh, no. And then when you try to trade, trade. Wait, can you I ask just, you a question? Huh? Do you what? judge? Your fantasy competition based on number of transactions? Like, if you look at and someone's only made the entire year like eight transactions versus guys that have done like 60, because I find that yeah. comical when, when, when people go, oh, he's made like eight deals. And you're like, yeah, he's nine and one, and you're four and six, but you're like, yeah, but I have more fun. <laughs> Like, no, I laugh at great, guys like that. I mean, if you have a great team, I, I don't see the. I, I'm not one of these guys who sees any re, any reason to tamper with a great team. Okay. No. Uh, no. I mean, I don't have a problem with guys that like to play that. And every week they're moving guys because it's fun for them. It's okay, but like I think we've all had like my team's on a roll. I'm not making any deals. Like, give yeah, me you know a, a, a transaction in six weeks. I don't need to. I'm doing well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why have to make all those deals? So, anyway. Scott, you're, you're it sounds saying, like Mike's going to kick him out. It sounds like Mike is leading I, the charge to, to wow. have him removed no, from I, the league. No, I'm not. I am. I'm, I'm, this is this is 
they're this I'm just a newbie in this league, so oh. I have no power okay. whatsoever. Wait, is this uh, is this the league here? Yeah. You've been in this league for a while. Just say you're a newbie in this league. No, this is only I think this is only my third year. That's in that league, that's substantial. It is? Yes. I've been in the the Sentinel League for like twenty five or twenty years. Yeah. So anyway. Mad props right. to you. All right. All right. Well, I feel like I need to now alert him about this situation. Just leave my name out of it. I don't want to be part of it. Uh, you were you were you were not involved at all. Wow. Yeah. Right. Just left Leonard Fournette right in the lineup. No points. Texting him. Texting him now. Hey, Bianchi wants to kick you out of the fantasy league. <laughs> he says you're lazy and don't care as much as he does. You need to care. Why don't you care? Peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show. We care so much that a Thursday edition of the Beat of Sports is next.